0: So you you do your thing. Tell okay. me what you need me to do, and I'll I'll be quiet until you need me to talk. <laughs> it's very nerve-wracking doing this in front of an actual presenter. I know we're presenting oh, in front of a presenter. Ridiculous. No 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 no. We're change- switching the
1: mindset here, guys.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie.
1: And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Good,
2: Good, Good luck, luck with, with the, the Book. book the podcast that celebrates all things books with plenty of news, stories, and chats.
1: So it's Christmas, Jamie! Yay! got excited?
2: Merry Christmas! Oh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted that the season's over. I'm wrecked! <laughs>
1: I know. No more podcasts.
2: For a few months anyway. Oh wow. It's been amazing, guys. But wow, like it was a lot of work. It was just goodness me, between the reading and the recording and the re-recording once or twice, and then just the editing then and then the social media. So it's been a huge job, but I have to say kind of loved it. And it's been,
1: yeah,
2: I feel really like in tune with what's happened with all the books this year, which has been amazing. So What's Christmas looking like for you? Just around the corner? Have you present sorted? Have, how's um, houses. This
1: Christmas? year, like we did this um, family Chris Kindle, which so you just get a really big present for one person and just makes life so much easier. So somebody gets something really good rather than and just Mi- makes life easier when we were going shopping and stuff. So
2: instead of like a million little bits.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. both my sisters and nieces and nephews and their partners and everything kind of live outside of where I can feasibly go to this year so yeah I did a real like uncle thing too, and I just sent money their way which is awful I know (laughs) but if the problem was I just wasn't sure where if the presents would arrive on time and yeah uh, one of my sisters lives in a place where the presents may not even arrive (laughs) 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 it's not democratic western Europe Uh, so it was just easy to transfer some money and hopefully then do some kind of fake Christmas maybe next year I think with my book obviously coming out in May next year I know the aim is definitely the family wants to be home for that and we'll have a lovely really nice. oh so
1: great yeah jamie is there going to be a launch if there's a vaccine there has to be a launch
2: oh no i'll definitely do a launch i have maybe 10 15 people who including yourself who I'd love <sighs> to have like a big dinner party in some french restaurant in dublin and just oh, drink wine nice. and have the chats and yeah. be amazing so oh i can't
1: wait it just sounds so alien doesn't it sitting beside people
2: I'm actually, it's making my heart sing right now Stop. as I think of it. It's making me so happy. So you and I were just saying, Sarah, there's a movie that everyone should watch over Christmas and it's on Netflix, which is great. Because I know if you, somebody recommends something and you're like, oh, I don't stream that channel.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, it could be a real pain, but sure, everyone has Netflix. It's Love, Simon. I saw it, recommended on a website a few weeks ago. Myself and John watched it and it's lovely.
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. Such I, a lovely my, film. My friend recommended it to me her, her teenage daughter absolutely loved it. And she knows that basically I'm a teenager at heart. <laughs> but <laughs> me and Dara watched it and we both loved it. It's just so heartwarming.
2: Just nice at the moment to just kind of give you a real yeah. on a dark evening. Yeah, I'd highly, highly recommend. It's such a cute film. There's actually a series called Love, Victor that was kind of a spin-off from the movie. And it's really, really cute. But the thing is, it's compared to the film, which obviously is 90 minutes, it's the same kind of thing with this love, Lauren... Young guy, he's figuring out his sexuality and he's just attracted to this, who I have to say is the most gorgeous kid in school. Like, he is so handsome. He's probably like 23 as well. I love the way they put like 23 year old actors in as 17 year olds, but he's got this huge crush in this guy and he's figuring himself out and stuff. But it's like Dawson's Creek. Every feeling, oh no, you love that. I love it. But they're like, every episode I'm is like, told. I've had a feeling. Now let's talk about it for 50 minutes. So. Do you know the
1: thing with old people playing teenagers? Like Greece.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, they, they weren't they were even 20s. Like were... <laughs> that was crazy. It's funny. Do you remember a few weeks ago you put up uh, on our Instagram, Grant Green Gables quote? Yeah, that you're talking so... about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Come full circle. So I always put on a nausea book before bed just to kind of help me sleep, and it knocks me out within 10 minutes anyhow this appeared as a suggested thing to listen to Anna Green Gables now to be honest with you as a boy of seven eight nine I knew my sisters and all that were reading it but I was like I'm not reading that you know I'm a real boy <laughs> and so I'd never had and I thought oh well we'll have a listen to it now and see oh my god because I was thinking it was going to be like Little House on the Prairie like super sweet like saccharine kind of but it's not she's a great character. no she's
1: quite but like a Can you say
2: ballsy? Yeah, like a real, she's actually quite feminist. I I really thought she was great. Do you know, I think the reason why I loved it so much, and I just couldn't stop listening to her, I was actually almost itching to get to bed, to have a listen. But (laughs) I grew up in the house with three sisters, and I just had so many flashbacks to, like, the imagination of them growing up, and and the drama of everything. Everything was so big. And I'm sure I was just the same (laughs) before I impute (laughs) all these motives on them. But... Everyone needs to have a listen to that. It's like a tonic right now, so... And who's
1: reading it, Jamie? There must be somebody oh, good reading it, because sometimes know. that can be... I find when I go and look for older books, often I don't like... Sometimes the narrator, it can be hard to find a good narrator.
2: Now, I don't know who it was, but it certainly wasn't someone who bothered yeah. me. It was a younger woman reading it anyway, definitely. So it definitely was in keeping with the spirit uh, of Anne so like if you haven't read it and if you're in any way like classic literature I just thought it was such a because the problem was at the moment John keeps watching these true crime documentaries and I go to bed wound up like about like another American serial killer so Anna Green Gables was just like a palate cleanser <laughs> like Laura DeBarra said in the about the fudge Laura last DiBara. week
1: <laughs> Dara loved that he's he's uh so on board with the fudge been a palate cleanser <laughs> I'm listening to um, Barack Obama's book at the moment and that's actually really nice for going to sleep as well because he reads it. His voice is just... Yeah. So it's like butter. Yeah. So smooth. um, But it's 29 hours so it'll keep me going for a
2: while. I'd say the audio editor for him must have been like what a joy. Like he doesn't... (laughs) He's just such a good speaker. Like I have to edit my own voice and the amount of like ams and likes I have to try and cut out of my language and you probably already think I do it a lot I don't I do it 10 times more but they're all cut out of this one no. thing i we were going to say was I did try the Nevin risotto I have to say massive massive congratulations to Nevin you have achieved the impossible it was the most amazing risotto John was like eyes only blew out of his head he was like this could be served in a restaurant so no way Jamie really was so so good now bacon and parmesan could make yep. a plate of gravel taste good should know i mean so <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing it was so Salty good
1: deliciousness
2: so so good like and i th- like you do have to keep with stirring. the pan the whole time and stirring and all that but i thought if you were serving a dinner for four like four adults or something it would be a great dinner to do because that's it it's okay you are stirring one pot but you're not really having to do anything else you know it's the one yeah. dish for a main so i think the, i think now if i had friends over who and you could probably just throw in prawns or something if people weren't bacon focused yeah then you're missing that saltiness although probably it would
1: be salty and then you could just have like a really nice crisp white wine with it
2: Mm. oh my yeah a lovely just really cold glass even just peanut Mm. freezer or something just super chilled it was actually stunning and I will definitely be making it again now it's definitely not for every week of the year it's a proper indulgent dish yeah it's, it's cheese and it's bacon and it's Amazing, 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 amazing It was definitely the closest thing I've had to being in a restaurant in a very long time So absolutely loved it Well done, lucky John So we have big news today as we announced on our last podcast But we're doing a very different kind of podcast today And that is because we had Amanda Byram on So she is our interviewee this week But actually the interview was so good that we just ran with it Because in the next 45 minutes your life will be sorted She's (laughs) just
1: like amazing She... I don't even she's my I'm actually speechless.
2: <laughs> she was a bona fide a star, we both said afterwards. She just yeah. glowed. I don't know. And just on top of that, then her advice on, because it was advice hard one. You know what I mean? I feel like she has yeah, learned the lesson. She's walked the walk. And, and it wasn't just like this practical, do this, do that. It's like, I have lived this life, made a lot of mistakes in terms of diet and mental health and everything. And this is what I've learned. The amount of things where I was like, that's a super handy tip. I'm going to use it in my life. So yeah. I don't need to say anymore because you're going to hear it. So we're just going to dive straight in. So we are so thrilled to have the
1: amazing, amazing. Amanda Byram. Woo! So
2: we are so delighted today to have the amazing Amanda Byram on to talk about her book, The Switch. Uh, now. I know Amanda, and I'm sure nearly everyone out there knows Amanda as a presenter. But what I didn't know was you are a qualified personal trainer and that you studied neurolinguistic programming and nutrition as well. And if this book has come out of that journey that you've had, There's been so many endorsements for this book already. Fern Cotton, Russell Brand, Gogwan all had wonderful, wonderful things to say about it. And I know I myself had the highlighter out this week. I don't know how you found it, Sarah. I I took so much from this book and it's just perfect because, as Sarah and I said, we really wanted our last episode of this season to be uplifting. And thank you so much, Amanda. I know you're super busy with your own other work and your moving house and everything. So the fact that you found time for us is amazing. We really 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 appreciate it. Thank you you so much. It is
0: my absolute pleasure and may I say to anyone who doesn't know um, Jamie it's because of you that I think my book has been published because we met in a very random meeting in a gym a couple of years ago and you approached me and uh, you worked with Gill Publishing and asked me if I'd ever thought about writing a book and I had and you know what fate and universe and manifestation and positive thinking all of those things are things that I've been practicing and you were the manifestation of the offering <laughs> of this
2: the feels universe, like a very sort of full circle heart. moment
0: yeah. <laughs> really nice. I'm so, delighted to be speaking to you today thank you so, so much so
2: Thank and, you. and I just have to say as I was reading this and I, I feel I'm about 15 years behind you Amanda in terms of your mental headspace uh just in terms of your journey and maybe you can actually even start with that and just tell us a bit about how you started out where you you know your book opens up when you're kind of even young as a teenager and someone passing a comment about the way you looked and kind of this cycle then that kind of developed out of that so if you even wanted to
0: talk something on that yeah of course and and I suppose what I'd say to that is you know being 15 years behind um that's probably not even true because One of the reasons I wrote the book was so that I could sort of, you know, expedite people's journeys and and help them to fast forward, because it took me almost three decades. You know, my journey began almost three decades ago with a terrible relationship with food, um, a really dysfunctional relationship with my body, my emotions, my mind. Um, And so over the years, I sort of learned things. I, I, you know, I I sort of learned from my mistakes. And then I would put into practice all of the, the wonderful things that I learned and and then, lo and behold, would self-sabotage and go back to the cycle of destruction that I was in, and that continued for for the best part of three decades. So, so just on that point of saying you're fifteen years behind, your switch moment, my darling, is now. <laughs> it is now, and you know, and that and that is really the the true crux and the reason why I wrote the book because I'd been through so much and an exhausting relationship with my body and my mind mm. that I thought if I can distill all of the stuff that I've learned over the years all of the stuff that I've learned and I can put that into one place where people could go to sort of like a little you know a help guide bible Mm -hmm. type thing Mm -hmm. and like you say highlighting it then I mean that's 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 exactly why I wrote it so you know back to sort of my journey I suppose I had a moment when I was 15 and I was sitting in my bedroom with a friend who really innocently remarked on on a little bit of fat that was popping out of my cycling shorts when cycling shorts were the in thing to wear I might add and not for bicycling but just for fashion And, uh, and I remember it was sort of like, it was like a light bulb moment, but you know, you know, not the good type of light bulb moment. It was almost the switch was, went off as opposed to on. Mm. Um, And so it, it spiraled into, into my teens, into my twenties, into my thirties. And, and I suppose when I wrote, started out to write the book, I wrote the title, which was how to look good in your forties and beyond. And very, very quickly, I realized that you know, unless unless I started talking about mental health first, mm-hmm. physical health was never going to follow because you cannot have one without the other. And so as I delved into it, it very, very quickly became a book about mental health and about goal setting and about how we speak to ourselves because they all lead back to the same thing. You literally cannot have one without the other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I always find, you know, that, that the sort of if you explain to people that when you're young, everything is brilliant, right? When you're a Mm. kid, everything is fantastic. You're championed. Your parents tell you you're amazing. You come down the slide the best. You did that pirouette the best. You wore that dress really well. You had a great poo-poo today. I mean, all of the things that were really championed, right? By our peers and our parents. And then that sort of goes into your teens. And then, you know, you kind of friends tell you you're not good enough, or it goes into Mm. your twenties. You're in your first job and you don't get the bonus your boss tells you you've done something wrong and before you know it you're in your 30s and your 40s and you've got this dysfunctional relationship with yourself that starts from a very young age because we're listening to the external and the we're listening to the the sort of the internal uh, apologies the internal Mm. voices in our heads that are telling us that we're not good enough and Mm. i talk very much about the voices in our heads and the internal chatter and i call mine the sock puppet you know i, mm. I shine a light on her she's called Zippy, and i can hear her mm. and when she yeah. talks and she's not wanted i zip her mouth shut and you know and i listen to the external voices instead the ones that are telling me the good things um, so there's so much sort of to, to dissect here but i think mm. the answer to your question is that you know my journey began almost three decades ago mm. and and you know having spent so much time sabotaging relationships, spending money on therapists, learning Mm. new techniques, you know, it's within us all along and it's within us Mm. from a very early age. Um, So I sort of wrote the book, I suppose, for my 15 year old self. Um, I also wrote it for for the women who encouraged me to, you know, over the years, over the last decade, I've been coaching women just, you know, just purely out of interest for their well-being on DMs, on social media. Mm. You know, and so I wrote it for them because they would say to me, look, that advice really helped. This advice really helped. You should write a book. You should write a book. And of course, that self-critical voice in my head always told me I couldn't do that. I always remember mm. saying, I know everyone says you everyone's got a book in them, but I don't. You know, the, the negative language, of course, um, until one day I sort of I, I battled through that self-destructive talk and I thought, yeah, of course I can. W- at least I can try Mm. um and so you know that was my knowledge I wanted just like I said earlier to help others um to put that distillation of those decades and what's really interesting is I love that you love the book Jamie because Mm. obviously as a woman in her mid to late 40s the original title as I said was women in their 40s and beyond and Mm. very slowly um as women are, are, and men are reading men. this, I'm getting such incredible feedback from men, women, and teenagers. And yeah. that's what's really fascinating me because I've had, I'm actually doing some conference chats with a couple of um, uh, TY years in school oh, brilliant. Years. Yeah, because the teachers bought the book and then they've brought it to the children and they've taken it into the library so it's actually sort of coming full circle for me as well you know from a 15 Mm. year old girl to be able then to pass that knowledge on to them in the hope that they never have to go through the things that I have been
2: through because I know (sighs) uh when we talk about teenagers and I'm not a teenager but in some ways I behave like a teenager (laughs) but especially during lockdown between TikTok and Instagram I've got myself in loops and (laughs) my phone obviously is an algorithm where it brings up perfectly, perfect looking men all the time on my Instagram. God knows what I'm looking at. And I've actually had to really stop that. And I do look at, as you're saying about teenagers and things like that, kind of going, because it's damaging to me as a 37 year old. It cannot be good for a 17 year old. But
1: even for them to know, to start now to think positively, because I think about Mm. how much time I waste thinking about how I look, what have you eaten, what I haven't, what I did eat, what I shouldn't eat, did I exercise, did I not exercise? And just to to imagine not having done that all through my life, like to get people early, because we're so mean to ourselves. And I think it's really important that you talked about it, Amanda. I don't think a lot of people talk about how negatively we talk to ourselves.
0: absolutely and i think the problem is is that we don't realize that we talk negatively to ourselves because i suppose if you say to someone do you do you beat yourself up internally do you talk Mm. to yourself badly you'd kind of go no i don't stand there and berate myself Mm. if you break it down of course we do you know how often during the day do you have a fleeting thought of the seventy thousand thoughts we have a day Mm. do you go oh God, I feel so fat. Oh, I probably shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, God, these jeans Mm. don't fit me. Oh, for God's sake, I just dropped (laughs) my strawberries and I squashed them. I'm such an idiot. You know, all of those those words, and that's why NLP, Neuro Linguistic Mm. Programming, so Neuro the Brain, Linguistics, Words, Programming, how to talk to yourself in the correct way, might seem really sort of throwaway, but actually... When you, when you break it down and when you look at how many times a day you would put yourself down or speak unkindly to yourself without even realizing it, if you start to realize it, you'll start to realize how often you do it. And the less you do it, the more you realize how that improves your life. And, you know, I can speak from experience. I can speak from the experience of the many women who I've spoken to who, who I've, you know, coached to do the same. And if you take something as simple as the compliment syndrome, I call it, yeah. Um, yeah. let's say someone says, oh, Jamie, Sarah, you look gorgeous today. I'm, I'm guessing the first thing you're probably going to say is, oh, do i nah. not me oh jamie there you go oh no i look terrible i need a haircut or jamie you know oh god i've locked down her- hair. at the moment <laughs> <laughs> well, serious you know, lockdown hair. tell me about it mine is my mine, mine is mermaid hair right now yeah. um, but i'm embracing it Mm. so you know jamie you said earlier about you know i'm about 15 years behind you that's a Mm. subliminal put down you know Mm. i'm I'm not quite as advanced as i could be um you know i i wish i could go to the gym i i Mm. I feel like i'm out of shape all of these things so if i were to say you look wonderful and you reject that compliment all you're doing is you're compounding to your inner voice that you're a not worthy of the compliment Mm. and b whatever that negativity you're telling yourself You're believing it, right? Mm -hmm. So after a while, the person paying you the compliment, why should they keep on doing it? I mean, you know, if if they're always going to be deflected back, no, I Mm -hmm. don't believe you are saying the nice things about me, Mm -hmm. they're going to stop giving them to you. And you're going to start believing the crappy lies that you're telling yourself. And that is, it's it's a really simple switch. And it's one of the most powerful switches you can do is to say thank you. When someone says you look great, oh, thank you. That's really nice of you and then silence (laughs) it's the silence it hurts for a while but you just have to go with
2: it (laughs) it was funny I know uh no Sarah's sick of me mentioning Oprah but (laughs) uh, but I I love love Oprah Oprah, but she actually talked about that that as well where she was kind of saying if you get a compliment have a book at home and write down what the person said to you and date it and she said like just keep them after a while and store them up now thought was a great idea i didn't follow it (laughs) (laughs) but uh and it was funny because you did talk about that neurolinguistic programming and on page 83 you have this test where about eating the cupcake and how's your are you one of four options and i i'm gonna say i failed and you're gonna be like once again (laughs) but i actually was like immediately in my head i was like i will have the cupcake but i'll have to yeah. there'll be penance yeah. for that, like I'll have to work out or I'll have to go for a run. Or, and can, you know. I
0: just, can I just pat you on the, the mm. proverbial back now and mm. say well done for noticing that that's you because mm. that's mm. the first step. The first yeah. step isn't to be the best and to, to give the right answer. The first step is to recognise that you've been giving the wrong answer all along and to work towards giving yourself the right answer and mm. you already know because you're pointing out things that you're saying, well I know that I shouldn't say this and I should say that. So the next part is to put that into practice and look, it's homework, you know, Mm. like I say, it it took me three decades. And and honestly, if I'd had the information that I have in this book when I was 15, it certainly would not have taken me three Mm. decades you know, I don't know how it might've taken me a year. It may never have kicked in at all. It might've taken me two decades, mm. whatever. Everybody's different. And I talk about that blue pill, red pill moment. Yeah. In the yeah. matrix. And it's so true. You know, you take mm. the red pill and you, you crack on as you were, you take the blue mm. pill and you go into that journey. And when I say that journey, people will always say, oh God, but it's so hard. And I've got mm. such a long road ahead. Mm. My answer is, isn't that brilliant? You've got mm. this amazing journey. Now it's gonna be windy, it's gonna mm. be groovy, it's gonna be maybe horrendous. At the end of it, it's gonna be incredible. And mm. I'm so excited for that journey. Yeah. You, you know, So you have to flip the narrative, yeah. the narrative as much as you can.
2: And I thought as well, what was good was, a lot of these things are quite simple. Like as in the breathing yeah. exercise was like, there's a very few people who said they couldn't fit a breathing exercise into their day, you know, or, you know, the gratitude shower or uh it was all different things. And actually, uh, one thing I was going to ask you about as well, further on the book, because it's obviously coming up to New Year's and we'll be thinking more about 2021 and maybe having a different year to 2020 in terms of goal setting and things like that. And I thought that was uh, because I find those New Year's resolutions really do become a stick to hit yourself with afterwards. You know, cool. they really, you know, so whereas you actually talk about in a much more kind of conscious way. So I don't know if you've any. Anything you'd like to to talk about that? I mean, you talk about the three A's, the accuracy, accountable, and uh, how to assess them as well. But uh, if you have any thoughts on or, or anything you'd like to say on that.
0: Oh, do I? I'm oh, sorry. Do, <laughs> do I have anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> I think the first thing I, w- I want to just run quickly back to something oh, sorry. about the breathing. No, no, the breathing. Yes. Um, yeah. I, the small, I don't know why I've not... Uh, uh, thought of it before now during my my two minutes of brushing my teeth so every morning I sort of you know I, I do this little ritual that I've I've come to do and I've I've built it up over a period of time so it started with buying uh, an electric toothbrush because I used to brush my teeth really quickly mm. and my husband used to look at me in horror and say what you've brushed them for 30 seconds let's get you an electric toothbrush so now mm. it's except for two minutes and then I do my oil pulling and my body brushing mm. and all of these, the cold shower with the gratitude. These, these things I've sort of done over a period of time mm. and I've added them in. And now I just do them naturally, which is, you know, if, if you do something for 21 days, then that becomes a habit. That's a whole mm. other conversation. Um, <laughs> but this morning, after all this time, I started doing my deep breathing as I was doing my toothbrushing. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant. It's two minutes and I'm breathing yes. through my nose the whole time. So why did I not think about that before? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so many things that we can do, um, we can incorporate and you can make mm. up for yourselves. They don't have to be things that that I've told you about. They can be things that that work for you. Um, as I, for the uh, new year's resolution, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, going
2: I, to... I just was gonna say in lockdown, I found myself, because I'm working from home just at a screen, you know, and it has been like that all year and hours can go by and actually I realize I'm not breathing, but I am obviously what? breathing enough that I'm not dead. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's like, it's this little, obviously tiny little breathing and I can feel it just your whole chest ultimately knots up, you know, and, and, just you've really tweaked me i'm like i need to and when i when i have consciously done what you've said just once or twice in the day and just pull the shoulders back and given a few deep breaths it's amazing it's so simple you know yeah
0: yeah and i think that's the key isn't it is that the simple things can make the biggest difference sometimes Mm. and you know without breath you can't survive and Mm. and i find a lot of people i used to do this all the Mm. time so my whenever i used to hold anxiety it would always be in my chest Mm. and that be, that's because when I when I got I don't I try not to use the word stress anymore because I mm. believe that the word stress is actually stressful mm. um when I'd kind of have those funky feelings I would hold it in my chest because my breathing would be shallow and it would be mm. in my chest and so that's why you get a knotted chest because mm. you're not breathing through your belly. And so if you think about all the oxygen that you get into your body, mm. even if it's for 16 seconds, that in and out, yeah. it makes a world of difference. It really is mm. huge. Um, so for me, I think that's what I tried to fill the book with, with really simple tips, mm. things yeah. that people could just do on a daily basis that, that might sound a little too good to be true. Mm. And in fact, they really do work. Um, but listen, 2021, I, you know, I, I suppose let's talk about 2020 yeah. for a second. <laughs> because it has been, there's a word that's been used this year, which is probably the most overused word of the century, yeah. and that is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And yes, it has been completely unprecedented. And for me, I think it's really important to sort of face 2020 in the face. Um, and, and look at it and say, right, you know, I know that this is something that's happened to so many people. And this has been really difficult time for very many people, Mm -hmm. including myself. I have to now pull the the positives where I can. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of lockdown one, I broke an arm. Okay. That was, you know, accept it, adapt it and move on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I haven't seen my parents for a year, which has been really difficult. Mm -hmm. However. I have my parents, so that I have massively to be grateful for, that they're still here with me. I'm massively grateful for the Wi-Fi that gives me FaceTime, that allows me to talk to them every day. You know, I'm massively yeah. grateful for for airlines, whenever we're allowed to travel again, that mm-hmm. I can go and see them. So, you know, there are things that I think, uh, whilst there are definitely things that have happened mm-hmm. to people who, who it, are devastating yeah. this year, we just, when we can... We have to flip the switch and try and Mm. look at the positives wherever we can because, you know, the future is really uncertain and yet it has to be hopeful and positive because that's all you can be you've got to weigh up your options Mm. and rather than you know, be miserable and scared and have have a self fulfilling prophecy at the end of it saying I knew Mm. everything was going to go tee up, you know, you Mm. you, you can be hopeful and happy and, and try to manifest those great things. Um, So 2021 and new year's resolutions. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You know, the new year's resolution is probably one of the most talked about things on the planet. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's one of the reasons why people sort of fail with New Year's resolutions very quickly is because they set really high expectations, mm-hmm. and not only do they set high expectations, which I believe expectations should not exist at all, because if you you set yourself a high expectation and it doesn't work, then you knock yourself but down to minus one again. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that you have to, to focus and set goals. And that's why I have a, a big chapter on the art of goal setting, because it literally is an art. It's a science. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to set your goals out. And you have to have, you know, there's very many uh, steps of the process. Mm. You know, I talk about it like, you know, your are At the central you're the celestial being and there's orbits all around you and you have to assess your goals your accuracy you know there has to be accountability you have to take your lifestyle into account you can't just say i'm going to lose 10 stone by the end of january or i'm going to get married in five days time you know you kind of have to say how am i going to do these things how does that fit into my lifestyle i'm going to drink more water how am i going to do that am I going to set aside three liters of water by my bed? And if they're not drunk by the time I, you know, get to bed the next night, then I have to drink them. You know, there's, there's things that you sort of set into practice. It's a practice really more than anything. And so I always try and encourage people not to set that new year's resolution. Or I'm going to be this by the end of January because things take time. And, you know, you can't be hard on yourself because that is the ruination of of, of joy you know if you, yeah. if you put too much expectation and pressure on yourself i mean i'd like to go back and talk a little bit about perfectionism because it sort of comes
2: oh, yes yeah
0: comes back to that, very much so and someone Absolutely. said the other day, someone said what's so bad about perfectionism anyway i said well the fact that it doesn't actually exist is probably the biggest problem with it mm-hmm. because we're craving for it we're searching for this story we create this reality that we think should be our perfect lives but i talk about it in the book as a perfection horizon because you're on this this unicorn lilo and you're floating out to the perfection horizon you can see it it's right there i'm imagining what Mm. it's like it's so beautiful and perfect and yet you've got this whole sea with with consumerism and sharks and life in the way and if you expect the perfect the chances are you're gonna be really disappointed because it doesn't exist. And so as I was writing the book, I sort of did a lot of research into this and because I used to wear the word perfectionist around my neck, like a chain of honor. I mean, it was Mm. to be proud of, oh, I'm a perfectionist. And, you know, I think because perfect is sort of shoved down our throats between advertising, you know, you should have the perfect Mm -hmm. figure, you should marry the perfect man or woman, you should have perfect, you know, your perfect image on social media. So it's not our fault. It's sort of, it's there around Mm -hmm. us subliminally all the time. So as I was doing the research, I I came across this, um, it's called a multidimensional perfectionism scale. And I loved it because I realized that it was it was pretty black and white that I, I am, was a sufferer of all three of these perfectionist <laughs> traits. Um, and, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and crack through them really quickly. <clears throat> um, the first is self-oriented perfectionists, <clears throat> which is people who sort of set themselves these high standards, these high goals, the job they want, the bonus they want, the relationship they want. And when that fails or doesn't meet their expectations, then they feel anxiety and you know, will always be really hypercritical of themselves <clears throat> if they fail. That was me for a very long time. Other oriented perfectionists, again, me, you know, I'm I'm perfect or I'm doing my job perfectly. So why aren't you holding the camera properly? Or why aren't you writing the script properly? Or why is, you know, why doesn't the, the, the finished product look good? You know, everyone around me has to, to come to my high standards. Otherwise we're gonna fall out or we're gonna have confrontational problems in relationships. Think about the taxi that you take and he goes the wrong way and you get out and you say to your friend, Jesus Christ, he had one job to do. The guy I had know. one job. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to rush me angry. <laughs> he didn't just have one job. The poor man might've had a 50 jobs to do that day. He mm. could have lost a loved one. He could have been going through a divorce. You know, mm. We have to stop expecting of others as well. And then mm. the one that I just want to really sort of touch on and, and, is the most important because it it sort of really feeds into the the social media genre and this this Mm. world that we live in and these are people who uh believe that other people so a parent or a boss Mm. or uh, a a child uh, or a social media following expect them to be perfect so they have all this pressure on them and if you think about Mm you're never gonna be able to please everyone on social media. Mm. You know, yeah. you, might, you might have grown up with parents who are, are never satisfied with anything you do, you know, your sexuality or your choice mm. in partner or your choice of job. And therefore you'll always fail because in their eyes, you're not perfect, but that's not your your cross to bear. So you're gonna completely set these impossibly high standards and seek this approval from everyone. Mm. And then when that when you get rejected, when that approval doesn't come, I mean, you're going to have a lot of negative emotions and guilt and shame. And and unfortunately, this is the kind of perfectionism that is rampant and is causing a lot of depression and suicide due yeah. to social media. So we have to be really, really mindful about that.
2: I thought one of the cures you kind of said about getting off the perfection treadmill, which was empathy. And I thought just empathy for the self and empathy for the other was at a really, really lovely point, actually. I, I think that's you know, quite often, the, I think the self-orientated perfection is because we don't have any empathy for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and I know, and Sarah may be able to say to this as well, and this is, this is something that happened to me a while ago, where I used to travel quite a bit with work. And I remember traveling one day, and I drive down myself to Limerick, I had a couple of meetings down there, and I came back in the same day. And I was sitting like, in a daze, obviously I'd driven for six hours, whatever it was oh. on the couch on a Wednesday evening, in winter, and it was pitch black outside. And I was like, should be going to the gym. Mm. If you haven't been to the gym today, you shouldn't have been going. And I remember I had this, over again, aha moment <laughs> where I was like, I'm not lazy, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember sparks going off in my head, but I actually was able to distinguish in my body that I was exhausted. and But uh, that, that was a, an empathy came in there. If you'd already been, I was able to kind of, uh, and I I remember reading this and thinking of that moment. I don't know.
0: I love that. <laughs> I love that. The fact that you turned it around and went, oh, Actually, I'm tired. The more you can do that, I think the more powerful your mental health becomes mm-hmm. because, you know, you need to take ownership of that. And, you know, when you're being lazy, that's, you know, yeah. I guess if you've sort of sat around for four weeks and, you know, you've kind of got a cans of beer lying around the floor <laughs> and you've got 100 pizzas and I just can't be bothered. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if that ever happens, you'll know. But yeah. for the most part you know you take you have respect for your body you have respect mm. for your mind you have respect for yourself and i think that's the the crucial part someone said to me what is the relationship like with your body now and 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 the one word that came from it was respect because mm. i respect when it's tired now i respect mm. when it's hungry now i respect when it's full i respect when it's sad i respect when it's you know feeling funky you have to really notice those moments and empathy is a beautiful word it really Mm. is and like you say not just for yourself but for others around Mm. you and i think when you sort of emanate that empathy towards others you really start to see the the humanity in others and therefore that reflects upon yourself because very often we're lovely to others. We're lovely to people we see in the street. We're lovely to people we meet, you know, on Zoom or everywhere in our lives because we wanna be liked, right? It's just a simple, basic human fact. Human nature, yeah. Absolutely. But yet we're not nice to ourselves. And and it's, it's so crucial and it's so key to be kind to ourselves that I know from experience having started that empathy with myself and my body like mm. I've not been to the gym since March you know that if you were to talk to me five ten years ago what mm. I would have mm. laughed you right off the zoom <laughs> you know and yeah. even even at that I was going in a healthy way I wasn't going and cracking it out like I would have years ago when mm. I had real body image issues you know even now it's I get up, I, I go for a long walk if I really feel like my body needs some cardio, like my, mm. my, my, my lungs need air. I'll do an at-home workout if I feel like I want to use weights and I want to, mm. you know, I want it, I just want my body to be respected. And I think, mm. it, I think until we do that, we can't, until we respect our bodies and other people around us, it's very difficult to sort of be content and calm with, within ourselves.
2: Yes uh speaking of working out this is kind of a f- more fun question uh i i noticed you mentioned a few like listening to music and stuff and i was wondering mm-hmm. just if you'd any because we had laura de as our last interview and she oh, gave some really? great some great uh, <laughs> musical tips and i was wondering is, what is there any songs you're listening to when you're doing your home workout that you particularly so love at I- the moment
0: I'm. I am. I, I listen to the most anti-workout workout song. <laughs> I. Uh, my husband thinks I'm absolutely crazy with my my music choices. Like he'll listen to you know Eye of the Tiger or he'll listen mm. to like real boys stuff mm. like Queens of the Stone Age and. Rah. Um, I'll listen to things like Celine Dion. Um, I love I, it. <laughs> oh yeah, I love movie soundtracks. So I listen to um, Hans Zimmer is one of my favourite composers. I mean, I love his music from Gladiator. I walked up the oh, aisle yes. to the Gladiator theme, oh,
2: um,
0: and like I like dramatic music. I listen to James Blunt for God's sake. Oh, yeah. um, oh
1: man, like, that's I'm, so funny. Do you know what? <laughs> James Blunt plays Let Picnic One Year, and I nobody would come with me. I went on my own to see James Blunt.
0: Oh, that's so funny I love him I, uh, honestly Ed Sheeran uh, James Blunt people think I'm mm. crazy but I just love the music I you know it makes me feel warm it makes me feel mm. gooey it makes me re- remember it gives me like fun memories I love Avril Lavigne um all of her old <laughs> albums so for me music sort of kind of you know it it, it uh, like it does with everyone it reminds mm. me of times when you know, I was a certain place doing certain things. Mm. Certain moods get rustled up, and I love that. Um, so I, I've I've got really cheesy <laughs> in music for want of a better word.
1: And Amanda, in your book, I um, you talk about giving up alcohol. So with, mm. I'm just thinking about music and dancing. Like, how do you do it? And because you mm. talk about how, and this is totally me, thinking that alcohol is your personality juice, which is so bad, but. So many of us do it. Of course. And I don't like I don't think I could actually get up and dance if I had Yes you could. Could I?
0: Oh (laughs) hell yes you could. Right. You tell me how do you do it? You tell me this. What what age did you start drinking? Oh stop, I know, like 15 or something. Okay, (laughs) right. So are you telling me that age 14, you weren't able to get up? in a room with friends, and have a bit of a boogie, have a giggle, feel confident, feel fun, feel one of the gang who also didn't drink. I don't know, I probably couldn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember Kylie Minogue had fever, you know, the album came out, and I would have been about 12 or 13, and I definitely was dancing to that. Now probably <laughs> Probably was in my bedroom, though.
1: <laughs> like, I dance in the kitchen with my daughters and all, but, yeah. but I just have mm. to adopt that mentality when I'm out it's funny because (laughs) I
2: I know other people maybe have responded differently to lockdown but my drinking has dropped way off because I suppose I'm a I'm really a social drinker you know what I mean I don't it's not something that I I know there's a pay there's a payment for drinking so I do have to feel I've had a night out for it so the idea of sitting at home and drinking and kind of going oh I'm going to be groggy at the moment and I'm having lots of wine watching tv just the equation doesn't balance so yeah but I I have the rubbery, like those things are like, my arm is the softest rubber on a night out. You know, if I find it very, I'm really, <laughs> uh, when it comes to kind of social kind of pressure, I do, uh, maybe there's no pressure there. It's all made up in my head, yeah, but I do, a, I, 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 I do yeah. feel that. And I'm worried yeah. that obviously lockdown is going to end, life is going to resume. Is there any advice you could give in terms of yeah. the first few Jamie months,
1: and I have both which... been talking about this. Like we both think we would have like one gin and tonic or something now because well, I've got young kids so I, I, it's just not worth it but you know that thing as well where you can have one drink and you you feel you like the next day you can feel it another day you can have two drinks and you don't feel it so like it the alcohol to me now is just like oh I, I don't know if it's worth it at all so I'd love to be able to adopt I like your attitude I love your attitude to it but I just don't know how to get there I
0: think there's so much in there there's so, I'm actually writing down notes and now I can't even <laughs> read my own notes on it <laughs> three things I wrote down um one was the substitute and what that's for so we'll get to that the other is the pressure from others and the other mm. is not worth it so you said it it's not worth it okay so I guess the question is what's not worth it? The, the fun, the dancing, the feeling tipsy, the feeling drunk. And, and, and but by the way, I was a big drinker. You know, mm. I honestly, and I'm, I'm not saying giving up alcohol is easy. And I don't say to people, you've got to quit because what you don't have to quit if you don't yeah. have to. You, you can drink for the rest of your life if you want to. Like no one's saying you have to do anything. What you have to do is listen to your body. And listen to your mind, and that's I think what you're saying. It's not worth it because of the following day, yeah. Hangover, the pain, the headache, the lethargy. So what I've done in the book is is sort of the journey that I went through, and 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 a lot of times what I try and do is because I I hate being preached to, so Mm. I refuse to preach to others. So what I did was rather than tell you what happens if you give up alcohol. I'll tell you what happens when you drink alcohol. And so that's why I sort of go through the physiological effects and the processes it has on your liver and fertility and, you know, disease and uh, brain fog and all of these things. So technically we're all allergic to alcohol, right? So we're either physically allergic or we're emotionally allergic. If we're physically allergic, it means if you drink too much, you get sick. That's pretty much all of us. Um, If you're emotionally allergic, it means that if you drink too much, you'll get up the next morning and you'll feel the dread, the fear, the dark, the devil, whatever it is you call it, (laughs) the shame, the what did I say, the oh my God, then you've got children, you're feeling oh my God, I'm so like spinny right now, I'm going (laughs) to play with my children who I love but I really don't want to play with them right now I just want to go to bed this is horrendous so all of those things you sort of have to weigh up that is it worth it and it's a very good question is it worth it if you're drinking because you think it makes you more fun it doesn't you're just as fun as you are sober You, you you are it's just we're inhibited we feel like we need something to make us that fun you're the same person You've got that giggle, you've got the jokes, you've got the fun things, you know, maybe you can speak French when you're drunk and you can't when you're sober, but, you know, (laughs) it's all in your head somewhere. (laughs) So I think it's first and foremost about understanding that and and being confident in yourself that, look, it's not easy. Trust me, when I I gave up, I did a dry January and I didn't go out for six months (laughs) because, you know, going to the events that I go to, and I'm not going to lie, even to this day, you go in and you think, this is probably, this red carpet would probably be easy with a glass of champagne. Actually, when you get to the red carpet and you're on it, you don't even think about it. So I think Mm -hmm. it's the preemption that something's going to be difficult is actually worse than the actuality of it, like many things in life. The second thing is, what is this the substitute for? So, it is a substitute sometimes for pain it's a substitute sometimes for exhaustion it's a substitute sometimes for i've spent the whole day with my children i deserve this Mm -hmm. Um, it's a substitute for a a lot and a lot of times and i talk about in the book that you have to be careful what what you're using alcohol for if it's a crutch if it's just for fun that's one thing sometimes people are using it because they want to avoid feelings so Mm -hmm. you'll find that when you do cut back on alcohol we'll say cut back we won't say yeah it's, Mm -hmm. it's too harsh Um, You might find that a lot of feelings sort of dredge to the surface and then you sort of kind of realize, oh God, I've been drinking for a long time and there Mm. were things that I brought up with me that, you know, just reactions and actions and how I would feel about things that I hadn't felt for a long time. And I realized that actually alcohol was suppressing that. The other thing I want to talk about really quickly is I talk about um, the physiological effect when you drink alcohol. So let's say you drink on a Friday and a Saturday Mm. It takes four to five days before the full effects of alcohol have gone from your system. So that's by the time your liver calms down, you know, it it completely gets the toxins out of your blood system, et cetera, et cetera. So think about you're probably going to go drinking again on a Friday. If you were me, Mm. by the time all that crap had gone from my system, I was drinking again. So my Mm. first drink I had, I think I was 19 or 20. I was a late starter. I took the (laughs) pledge. Um, But if you think about it, by the time I gave that up, when I was 40, I'd been drinking solidly for 20 years. Mm. So one of the things I found was the clarity Oh, my God. It was like the, the, the alcohol was sort of the tinnitus of life in the background. I was really sharp. I was really focused. I was looking at people in the eye. I was having these really focused conversations. I was remembering scripts really well. You know, it was it was a huge difference. My skin was better. I lost weight, even though that's not what I was trying to do. Uh, I mean, my cellulite sort of diminished a little bit. Um, and then the other one I want to get to, because I've got my notes here, having <laughs> said what you said, Sarah, was the pressure from others. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you're right. There is. And I'll tell you why there is, is because if you're not drinking or if you proclaim you're not drinking, mm. very often people take that on and they say, well, you're going to ruin my night because you're mm. not drinking. Because what you're going to do is I'm going to drink and you're going to judge. Mm. And that we, we th- I thought those things, when someone said to me, I'm not drinking tonight, I wanted to just literally just kick them out of the room. You know, mm-hmm. why would you buzz kill me? Why? We're all getting <laughs> drunk together. Mm. You know, and now I realize I did lose friends. Mm, I lost friends who, who didn't really invite me out anymore because I wasn't drinking. So that was on them, not me, because I suddenly realized that I was making them uncomfortable yeah. you know, mm-hmm. by not drinking. So you're not making yourself uncomfortable, you're making them uncomfortable. So I started to order drinks. So I'd go out, I'd order a wine or a GT, and and then I'd also have water. And within three drinks of them having three drinks, no one
2: notices you're not yeah. drinking. How
0: yeah. do they care?
2: I've <laughs> actually found uh, in the last year for myself, because I, I would drink when I go out and stuff, but the odd time, especially if maybe if it's a more work-related thing, but the mm-hmm. uh, you know the non-alcoholic beers and stuff. Yeah. So you just yeah. feel like you're holding a, exactly. an, and this even is the wiring of the brain where you go, a real drink.
1: even the
2: the phrase a real it came into my head i'm like we are so wired with this it's yeah yeah
1: the The thing about the pressure my brother lives in japan but he gave up alcohol as well just when he had kids and stuff he just said just wasn't worth it for him anymore you know so but whenever he's coming home all his friends here will ask me oh is he still not drinking it's funny isn't "Mm it it's so
0: Yeah, yeah. and and look, the the chapter on alcohol in the book starts with the groan syndrome. Because when I was writing it, I thought, how how do I feel about people who don't drink? How did I feel when people said they weren't drinking? And I would go, and it's that groan, we do it, you know, we we do it all the time. and, And it, it, you're absolutely right, Jamie. It is very much a wiring of the brain, you know, and that's why I'm I'm really adamant, by the way, about telling people not to say they're giving up alcohol because that's a progression. You know, it, it's tough. It is tough. So why tell yourself you can't have something? It's a really, really slow process. You know, don't say I'm giving up alcohol. Don't say I've given up alcohol. Don't even say I'm trying to. I'm cutting back. You know, I might have two glasses of wine instead of a bottle, or I might not drink this weekend, but I'll drink next weekend. You know, make it yeah. your 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 treat. You know, I'll, I'll drink once a month and, and I'll have a blowout, even though that's probably not very healthy because I do talk very much about sort of de- denying yourself of things mm. and then overindulging in them. If that's how how it sort of will help you to restrict a little bit, then so be it. But I do talk about very many tips in, and ways to get around telling your friends that you're not drinking. And, and also asking your friends to join you and say, look, why don't we go on some fun, non-drink related events together? So let's, I don't know, obviously not in 2020, go paintballing. Um, I, you know, let's, let's yeah. have it's a book club, which you guys obviously do. Um you know let's let's go for a literally for dinner without alcohol and see how we all get on my god and i just not... heart published <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's not if it's not just you then it, and it's yeah. everyone else then then it's easier and and you might find that other people are you, you'll be surprised at the amount of people who are trying to give up as well and you know i think nice around food. especially
1: around my age i think we mm-hmm. all just you're just notice that you notice it now Absolutely. Or before you got away with it you know exactly i think
2: the thing i've i've twigged as well with me as time's going on around it is why am i at something if i can if i don't enjoy it when I'm, I'm fully don't. conscious, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? My Why God. am I here if my conscious self is miserable? <laughs> I might as well be at home watching The Crown.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, good, choice. good um, choice. I also think that, you know, if, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that, you know, we, can, we don't have to go to the events we thought we had to go to. You know, the amount of friends I've spoken to, they're like, oh, thank God that, that award show has been canceled. Yeah. Before. You know, and then you think, wait, why, Why am I, I too- going again? to it again? And, 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 and there's, there's a really, really distinct sense of, of, you know, I don't have to, I felt the pressure to go because I thought I should have, or I should stay in, in you know, present or relevant or public or, you know, mm. part of a community. And that's all well and good. I just think, Jamie, you're bang on by saying, mm. if, if you're in a room with people who you feel you need to be drunk with to have a good time,
1: probably
2: shouldn't be hanging out there yeah <laughs> it's kind of a the the word should I think is probably yeah. the most dangerous word in the English language
1: Amanda as well Absolutely. just you said there that you didn't want to be preachy I just want to say your book is not preachy at all um, oh, I, and I as well see. I can really hear your voice when I was reading it it mm. sounds would that be all the curse so, words there <laughs> <so now? laughs> no but it sounded <laughs> so like you you know you're reading it yeah. and I I could hear you I could hear your voice
0: thank you oh, okay. that that really means a lot because that's exactly what I what I wanted and you know I definitely rewrote some chapters because obviously because I've studied nutrition and I've studied mm. I'm, a, I'm a trained PT and you know the science behind everything for me is really fascinating mm. and it's the education is how I really switched my whole mm. lifestyle and mindset so I wanted to just share all of that and I would go through a chapter and write it and go oh, okay I need to I would say I need to me this up because mm. I had the fact but then I thought yeah you know let's let's just make it a bit more fun and funny yeah. and understanding and simplistic so
1: so I definitely, definitely did that in your personality yeah. is all the thank way you. through it yeah. and the photographs thank are gorgeous you. as well it looks it's a gorgeous gift oh yeah. thank you so much that really means a and lot and the food
2: is lovely at the back actually I'm going yeah, to be making something nice later oh. I
1: wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah no just
2: because I have a thing and Sarah knows from the podcast if there's a you know a recipe and it's like you can't get everything in a regular shop it just drives me bananas that i have exactly. to kind of go to you yes. know whereas i thought this is exactly my kind of cooking which is like not too many ingredients yeah. good whole food and i can get them all in super value or Aldi, well, <laughs> depending on where i'm going
0: and, and you know you know my editor sarah yeah um, and when I was writing it, I, I said to her, should I should I put recipes in? And she said, yeah, absolutely. I said, but you know, I'm not a brilliant cook. And she said, just see what you come up with and, and we'll go from there. And mm. I thought, right, I know how I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna put the simplest recipes that I know that I keep going back to time and time again. I'm not gonna put anything mm. in that has too many, you know, instructions because that's, mm. I, I don't cook like that. I cook simple for not very good in the kitchen. And I thought, if I can get all of the ingredients in my cupboard essentials on one page, I don't know if you've noticed yes, this, but every yes. single yeah. recipe contains all of the, the essentials that I have on that page. So there's mm. nothing on that essentials page that's not in the recipes. Um, um, thank you, because that means a lot. Yeah, I just actually, I just saw uh, my granny parents' curry was in the paper the other day, and I just <laughs> I sent it to my dad oh. because... That's, it's my dad's mom, and I, I put something in for my mom's mom as well. So, that the, they're the two most complicated recipes, oh, yeah. but they're just a nod to my, my granny. Well,
2: you have a lovely pea soup in there, and I was literally going to make it last night, oh. only I, I was missing the lemon, and I could have gone, <laughs> <on> like, 200 meters <laughs> <feet> up the, <laughs> the road, lemon. but the weather was literally... I'm living in Kerry at the moment and like when it rains here it's like so I'll be making it afterwards I have my lemon now and I'm going to be (laughs) I will take a picture
0: (laughs) you have to text me and let me know how it goes take me a picture of you eating it (laughs) I (laughs) will
2: I suppose before we, because you've been so good, I mean, you I been hope you taking like, this time. Oh. But we, we finish up kind of each of our episodes with a what we call a coffee and a quote. We've been asking our guests if they have a lovely quote.
0: I have. It's not quite a quote. It's it's quite a paragraph. Okay. If you'll allow me to read it.
2: Yeah. Go it's for it.
0: My, it's my all-time favorite, and you might know it. I'm sure you do. It's an excerpt from a, a Theodore Roosevelt speech, uh, "Citizen in a Republic." It's it's one that he he delivered uh, in Paris on in, I think it was 1910, and it's called The Man in the Arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short and short again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And that gives me goosebumps every oh, time. <laughs> That's
2: you know, beautiful. So Amanda. I
0: think the, the, the sort of the moral of that story is, as you probably know, is that the man in the arena or the woman in the arena, is it's being, it's putting yourself out there, you know, especially being in television, you're in situations that require courage, that skill or tenacity, or in every job that we do, you know, it's, it's, it's a brave move work, it's saying something you believe in, it's putting yourself out there, especially now with social media, as opposed to the person who's typing that negative response, who's watching, who's throwing negative comments, I could do that better, or you should have done this, or you should have done that. And actually I, I picked up on Brené Brown, who, whose Daring Greatly book is wonderful. And she says, if you're not in that arena, getting your ass kicked as well, I ain't interested in your feedback. And that for me is just, that sums that quote up so beautifully because you, know, you gotta go out there, you gotta do what you gotta do and just don't listen to the naysayers because unless they are doing what you're doing, forget it, I'm not interested. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. brilliant. I love it. That. Great message. Oh, great. great message into 2021.
2: Thank you, thank you so much, Amanda. Oh, thank you're is so just so it's just amazing. It's my uh, absolute
0: pleasure. Uh,
2: uh, and a huge really nice. Christmas to you, you. Wherever, wherever you are. <laughs> I know, wherever I land.
0: At this stage, I don't know. Um, okay. If I come to Ireland, it will probably mean quarantining for two weeks in a in a remote cottage probably in the west of Ireland. So I might oh, see oh, That you. sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if uh-huh. I come home, I obviously don't want to, you know, I don't want to see my parents until I've quarantined for two mm. weeks. So we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? God only knows what happens by then. Great. Thank but, you. Uh, both huge.
2: So thank you. Oh, thank you so oh, thank you, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks.
1: Well, wasn't she just like incredible? I, could have, I actually could have just listened to Amanda all day. She just speaks so much sense and she's so honest and speaks from the heart. And I just loved it.
2: I just want her to give me a, to ring me every Monday morning for half an hour and just put me in good mood for the week. She just was amazing. She just was amazing. No. I, I loved her, her clarity, her honesty,
1: I'm and she just expensive. was so
2: generous with her time. I mean, we were so going, oh generous. God, you know, we were literally going, fingers crossed, we get her for 20 minutes, just to do a little chat or something. And she just was so generous with her time and yeah. enthusiastic about her subject. So I thought she just really is passionate about her journey and, and all she's learned and from that journey and people. sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know she's been even introduced to speak to schools and everything now, and I'm not yeah. surprised. She just... She'd inspire anyone. She really would. So, uh, congratulations, Amanda. And we never said, "Thank you, Amanda." Good luck luck with with the the book. book. So, Sarah. Yes, Jamie. Our final episode of the season, and Mike and I just say, "Is can I just say thank you to you?" I'm just so grateful. I've had such an amazing time recording with you. It's just been great to chat about books, and it's been mad to be so far away from kind of my friends over the last few months and this has meant a lot to me On a, nothing to do with anyone else even listening this has meant a lot to me to have a great enriching conversation with someone who I really enjoy their company so thank you
1: James I was actually why can I just say it was going to be to say thank you to you
2: so. oh no way <laughs> now I do have a rotten can I just say like a real like mean spirited one
1: <laughs> no, but it was because you've like Like I have just come along and read the books and chatted to you, but you've done like unbelievable work and it really means a lot. And you've made the podcast. What it is like you do all the editing out all the shit. (laughs) And there's a lot of them. (laughs) So thank
2: you. And you know what? I have been listening to Amanda and I've learned. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah, for that lovely compliment.
1: Good. <laughs> I mean, like, well, you big-headed bugger.
2: <laughs> is that your first swear of the podcast? I think it might be. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so, Aww. yes. That's...
1: God, we're great.
2: Oh. <laughs> so, what was your horrible one that you're going to say? Well, my horrible one is my all-time drive-me-to-distraction, put-my-fist-through-a-wall thing, is to see people using metal implements on a non-stick pan. <laughs> it drives me because I've shared apartments for years and I really feel we need to have a public announcement go out to people and go, why the hell would you do that? Like,
1: why would you do it? It, People do it all the time. I know. It's
2: one of these things that drives me to absolute distraction when I see it because it's just
1: But Even the noise is what gets me, even though they wrecked the pan, yeah, but I hate the noise. I'm like, why wouldn't you just get a spatula?
2: No, the reason why it really annoys me is because if I make an omelette then after them, which (laughs) normally would slide off the pan, I'm like scraping off a sort of a scrambled egg burnt mix because somebody's not used it. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah, instead of our coffee and a quote, we're having a mulled wine and a quote. So what is your mulled wine and a quote for today?
1: Mine is, I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year from a Christmas carol.
2: Oh, Well, keep it till next May, when we'll have a real party. (laughs) Party. (laughs) And my quote for the day, now, I haven't gone sentimental today, so it's from Dame Edna. (laughs) Never be afraid to laugh at yourself. After all, you could be missing out on the joke of the century.
1: I like that.
2: (laughs) I didn't laugh as much as I thought. (laughs) Clearly her delivery was better than mine.
1: (laughs) So, Jamie, are we coming back or what are we doing, do you think? <laughs> well, our plan
2: is to come back at the moment. Now, we're definitely taking some time out. It's I just think the hours that it's taking to, to read three yeah. books every two weeks and record and everything. So it's just, we can have a breather. It definitely is going to be probably two months. So, uh, And in that time, we'll be looking at what we've done, seeing how we can refine. I think the interviews have gone really well. I'd love to do some more interviews if we do continue into yeah, season I'm two. Yeah,
1: definitely.
2: But uh, we're thinking mid-February, f- if all going to plan it's yeah. kind of February we're thinking we'll be back but we're keep back an eye on our social media episode. channels and uh yes we'll keep you posted anyway on our social media channels on how it's going <laughs> so everyone have a merry Christmas and ho, ho, ho. uh do like and share do especially this is just such an amazing podcast not because of us but because of the amazing Amanda Amazing Amanda. So, uh yeah. if you can like share subscribe do all those wonderful things because That will go a long way to us being able to continue this podcast into 2021 so and if
1: you like it do please go on to the platforms and review that would really mean a lot to us
2: thank you so much and so so to everyone out there good Good luck luck with with the the Christmas! christmas